0: Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. But
1: Paul said, I am absolutely persuaded of this very thing, that God who saved you has begun the work. So if God has begun the work, he isn't through with you, he hasn't forgotten about you, and it's important that you understand that salvation is a work of God, and he who began that work is God, and he hasn't left you alone. He is still watching over you, he's still caring for you. Paul says to these same Philippians in 1 and verse 29, For to you it has been granted, or it has been given. And this is, in other words, that we're kind of a passive recipient. On behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. So we have the opportunity not only of believing, but of suffering for Christ. And we might not realize that that's a joy, that that's an opportunity. We might not see it like that. But that's what Paul says. In other words, the God who saved you through faith is the same God who has given you trials, sometimes suffering, it's been granted for Christ's sake. That you should believe that we could trust Him in greater ways. In chapter 2 and verse 13, to the same Philippians, It is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. I always realized that after I got saved, you know, when I was a kid, we had to go to church. We were forced. But after I accepted Christ, you know what? I wanted to. I wanted to be there. I wanted to learn. I wanted to sing the songs. I wanted to be in the fellowship. Why? Because God changed my want-tos. And that's what he does in salvation. It's God who saves. Listen to John 1 and 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Even to those who believe on his name, who are born, that is born again, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So salvation is God's working in you and through you. So now let's go back to Philippians 1.6. I am confident, persuaded, assured, absolutely convinced of this very thing that the God who saved you started... And the word that's translated good is a word that says noble. He has begun a noble work in you. The good means noble. Salvation starts the process of sanctification, and it brings about, finally, glorification. The God who started that work in you will perfect it. Will is an absolute. Tremendous thought. Epitelli, really perfect it. It's a compound, completed idea there. To bring it to full conclusion. To bring it to its completed end. Now Paul doesn't say, well I hope this works out. He says, I'm confident of this. I am assured of this. I am absolutely convinced of this. I am fully persuaded of this one thing. That God who saved you and began a noble sanctifying work is going to complete it. That ought to give you joy. That's a, a source of great truth. God who began the work of salvation and sanctification is going to bring it to completion. There was a man by the name of F.B. Meyer, great writer, who wrote, We go into the artist's studio and there are unfinished pictures covering large canvas and suggesting great designs, but which have been left either because of the genius was not competent to f- complete the work or because... Paralysis laid the hand low in death, but as we go into God's great workshop, we find nothing that bears the mark of haste or of insufficiency of power to finish the task. And we are sure that the work which His grace has begun, the arm of His strength will complete. I like that. I like that to think that, you know what, God completes what He starts That's perseverance. The perseverance of the saints. That's what we call eternal security. The God who saved you by His power has the same power to keep you. In Romans 5, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So if when you were an enemy with God, you were saved by Christ's death, how much more, once you are a son, will you be kept? How much more is he going to do? What a tremendous thought. You see why Paul writes this and he's full of joy? Because he recognizes it's God that's going to do it. If his death can save you, if Jesus' death can save you, then his living can keep you, because he lives to intercede for us. Paul says, look, I have great joy and anticipation. You may have problems in your church, You may have anxieties in your church, you may have difficulties in your church, you may have failures in the church, but this very thing will not be altered. The God who saves you is the God who glorifies, who God who brings things to its conclusion. Romans 8 affirms that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? In all these things we are, and I like the word, overwhelmingly conquerors. Through him that loved us, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said all of that to say, nothing can change your position. The one who saved you will perfect you. That's the perseverance of God's people. The perseverance of the people that love the Lord. And in reality, that salvation or justification leads not only in our sanctification, but to glorification. John six thirty-seven. it says, All that the Father gives me shall come unto me, and I have lost none of them, but will raise him up at the last day. No one is lost in the process. But then he says, and I want to just close out with one final thought. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I think Paul had joy anticipating the day of Christ Jesus. He's looking for the fulfillment. The day of the Lord is a common Old Testament term. It's used over 20 times in the Old Testament. The day of the Lord always refers to divine judgment of sinners. The day of the Lord is a time of God's wrath. It always refers to an outpouring of wrath. The ultimate expression of the day of the Lord will be the return of Christ. God pouring out His wrath on the ungodly of all the ages. But in the Old Testament, there were other days of the Lord. Any day in which God moved and brought severe judgment on sinners could be called the day of the Lord. So I just want you to understand that the final day of the Lord is when He comes to judge the ungodly at the second coming of Christ. When all of those that are without Christ will be judged. It's also called in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4, the day. And in 2 Thessalonians 1, 10, that day. And in both cases it refers to the day of judgment, the day of wrath, the day of vengeance, the day when God punishes sinners. It's an interesting thing but this is different because this doesn't say the day of the Lord, it says the day of Christ Jesus. So how does that differ? It's interesting and we'll discover some interesting things from this verse because the day of Christ obviously refers to some time when the believers will be glorified. Hi, let me interrupt for just a moment and update you with some information. You can now contact us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. We also now live stream services on all one word, com. or you can see us on Facebook at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church of Stockton. We look forward to hearing from you, we would love to send you information, so thank you and back to our podcast. The day of Christ Jesus reminds us of the day when he's going to be glorified. He's going to perfect you in the day of Christ Jesus. Speaks of the day when believers are made perfect. We have everything. We're complete. Salvation is complete. Justification, sanctification, it's all completed and now we're in glorification. And you'll notice also in verse 10 And we're going to, Lord willing, in the next week we'll get to that. Because he says, and that you may approve the things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. See, we're going to talk about that because that day of offense and the being sincere has some beautiful word pictures associated with it. But what is the day of Christ? The day of Christ is something that Paul says holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may rejoice, so that in the day of Christ I may rejoice in Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Here the day of Christ has to do with a positive event, something that causes the believers to rejoice. That even though Paul is chained up to a Roman soldier, he's rejoicing and looking forward to the day of Christ. It's a time to be proud. It's a time of joy. It's a time to rejoice. It's a reference of we're going to be with our Savior. We're going to be with the Lord. And it's a wonderful place to draw our mind on what great things he has in store in 1 Corinthians 5 and 5. That's a situation where a man needs to be disciplined in the church at Corinth and he's a sinning believer and it says that they were to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That he could be brought back into fellowship. And he could look forward to that day. So now we have the day of Christ. We have the day of Christ Jesus. And the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. For in all of these, they all look forward to the very same thing. Even though it words it in many different ways. In every one of those places, it refers to the glorification of saints. So when you see the day of the Lord, you know We're talking about judgment on sinners. And whenever you see the day of Christ, of Christ Jesus, or Lord Jesus, or the Lord Jesus Christ, you're talking about the glorification of the saints. And our Lord is making a a real distinguishing characteristic clear here by introducing the personal names of Jesus. And it's celebrating an intimacy and a unique relationship that we have to God through Christ. You see, He's going to continue the work that He's begun in you. Back to Philippians 1. I am confident of this very thing, that He who began a good work in you will fulfill it, will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to carry on right on. He's going to keep on working. And when we meet Christ, what a tremendous thought God will finish His work of grace. God isn't like men. Men conduct experiments, we test to see if this works, if that works. I get on my computer and I try this and it doesn't work and it's like frustration. But God has a plan. God is the major programmer. He knows how it all works. And we are divinely preserved. That's what Paul's saying. And that's why he is full of joy. He's saying that in all of this thing, in all of this, God is going to work. And whatever you might be going through and whatever you may be having to deal with, it's okay because God's working. And God is doing much more. So Paul's saying here, here's my folk, here's my joy, folks, my joy, no matter what goes on. What goes on in my life? What goes on in your life? What goes on in your church? What goes on in this church? The work that God began, He will complete. And so His joy was a joy of anticipation. He was anticipating the great... It's very much like those marvelous words of Jude. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. See, that's why Paul is joyful. God is going to get us all there. You say, well, what's the implication? If you focus on what's wrong, and I've and I've heard, and it's easy to get in this, they've always said, best Sunday lunch is to roast preacher. That preacher. Man, he didn't even get through one sentence. He couldn't even do this. He, you know, and we're just gonna tear him apart. But we don't look at what's wrong in the church, because after all. We're all flawed people, and flawed leadership, and causes about flawed churches. However, God is in control, and he will bring it to his conclusion. You might get very depressed. Oh, our church isn't what it ought to be. We're not doing whatever we might think you should be doing. But if you focus on what the church is going to become, if you focus on what God can do, Then you begin to get excited. Then you begin to get joyful. Now, take your choice. Paul could have been moaning and groaning. Woe's me. Now, this Paul, I've been there. (laughs) I've been moaning and groaning and I've been on that side. And then I've seen the other side. Where this Paul of the scripture, chained up to a guard is saying my joy is full and my joy is great and you know the first exciting thing about that is nobody's going to get lost. Some of you may be Dallas Cowboy fans and if you are, my wife's a dear Dallas Cowboy, but she will remember the name Leon Lett. Everybody who's a Dallas Cowboy fan remembers Leon Lett about to carry that ball and win the game right, right at the what? two yard line, one yard line, and he's just, he's just making it, he's turned around, he's looking at everybody, hey look at me, and he drops the ball, <laughs> he dropped the ball, and what happened, Dallas lost, aren't you glad? That God who began a good work in you doesn't make you carry the ball. (laughs) Aren't you glad that we're not getting right to the one yard line and saying, Whoa, I've made it. It's God who does the work. It's God who does all of those great things. We're not going to get to heaven and the Lord's not going to say, Oh, because you were faithless, 250 people aren't here. You dropped the ball." That would send you to the asylum, wouldn't it? When it's all on you. And and do you realize that there's the church started out good. And the Lord's not going to say, well, it started out good, but you lost them. No, that's not our responsibility. And you could really get distressed about the Lord's churches. And you could really get worked up. Oh, it's not what it ought to be. We know that. But we know that God can do all things. We know that He is the one. And then you've got to add to that that those in leadership that aren't what they ought to be and you wonder why it is like it is. But God is doing something that only He knows. He is the master planner. But you can decide what your focus is or isn't. You can rejoice in what it's going to be. You can rejoice in what God is going to do. And I choose to do the latter. It's a wonderful thing that we're all going to get there through the love of Christ. And if you belong to Him, we're going to get there. He is going to make sure and see you through. So Paul in this sense of joy, this overwhelming triumphant joy. That he says in the end, the Lord's churches are going to be exactly what He wants them to be. That takes a lot of pressure off. No sense spending your whole life in a state of oppression over what the church is not when you could spend your whole life over a joy of what the church is going to be. And you're going to be recognizing that it's God's plan in your life. That's the joy of anticipation. We ought to be so thrilled that this is so temporary. And then we have the joy of participation and anticipation. There are some more elements of joy. But you'll have to tune in next week. Same time, same channel. You see, we have great opportunity because God invites you to His work. I want to close out with that final thought. God invites you to His work. How, what a blessing that He who has began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. He wants you to come and join Him in His work. But first, you've got to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have to know Jesus. If you're not a child of God, you don't have this kind of joy. You don't have this kind of hope. You don't have this peace that we have. You don't have all of the things that God is trying to do in your life. We want you today to know that you have Christ as your Lord and Savior. That today, you will be born again. That Today, you would know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.